I'm Scott. And I'm Jason. Welcome to Skipped on Shuffle, a podcast where we delve into an overlooked song by a popular artist. Today we're going to be discussing the song Dollars and Cents by Radiohead from their 2001 album Amnesiac. agreed in preparing for this episode that we really have a love-hate relationship with Radiohead where yeah I don't know I mean, love-hate might not be the right word it's more like maybe like love misunderstanding I don't know it, we 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 both felt like we both felt like we're actually pretty big Radiohead fans but we don't often think about Radiohead when we think about like what our favorite bands actually are we kind of like neglect Radiohead from what we consider to like listen to. And it's also a band where we completely discount certain albums that would just say, I, w- I would never, <laughs> I, w- I would never go out of my way to, to throw this on and listen to it from beginning to end, as opposed to some of their output where we're just like, this is one of the greatest albums ever. <laughs> I mean, it, it becomes, yeah, strange. I mean, I, I suppose everyone feels that way about some bands that they like, but I I'm not sure there's a band that's as like that has a catalog as divisive for me personally as Radiohead. And it's not even just the divisiveness of it. It's also the fact that like you we can't talk about it, you know, like I don't want to compare them to like the Beatles. But in the same sense that you can't you can't critically analyze the Beatles without somebody like raising their hand and being like, excuse me, the Beatles are the greatest band that there ever has been. And if you talk badly about them, then clearly you're a moron. You know, I feel like Radiohead kind of has that same thing. So even even like in our preliminary discussions about this episode, we kind of thought to ourselves like, well, how are we how are we going to talk about this without like without sounding like we don't know what we're talking about, you know? Yeah. Or, or, or you fall into the trap of being like, well, I, I don't like, you know, some of the, the later stuff and you're just like, Oh, I get it. Maybe it's a little too like intellectual and too experimental. I'm like, no, that's not exactly it. It's, you know, it, it's, yeah, it's hard. I feel like you fall into a bunch of traps and there are, I feel like a lot of people out there that love and revere everything this band does in every single note and sound that they produce <laughs> and and uh yeah so i think it gets hard to to talk about a band that probably people listening to this are just like i hope they don't say a single bad thing about my favorite <laughs> band but yeah I, I i think it's really radiohead is just an oddly hard band to talk about because they've made such diverse records and people i think have really come into listening to Radiohead at different periods. I mean, there's probably a big difference between us like growing up with, with Radiohead, so to speak, becoming like this big band and uh, making some of the like creative decisions they have versus someone who, you know, maybe started listening to them at like, you know, for when like in rainbows or kid a came out and it gives you a completely different impression. I, I think of the band. And I think that's, that's part of what's challenging perhaps is like when, when you first heard Radiohead and, and how you try to define them as a band, not like we're going to define them very well. Cause I don't, <laughs> it, might, <laughs> it might not be possible, but we'll, we'll at least acknowledge that part of the problem. 
five members of Radiohead met while attending Abingdon School in England, which is a pretty elite school just for boys. And uh, this, you know, w- the way that the band met ends up being quite formative for for how the band sounds and the ideals behind them, because when you're when you're in a band like Radiohead and and if you're not super familiar with their music it's it it deals a lot with like alienation and uh depression and overall themes that most people who go to wealthy private schools for boys don't really don't really muse on too often yeah i mean radiohead in some ways is a little bit at least giving the impression of being outsiders and and really running with that theme i think like in in the music they try to make and in in the song lyrics so it's hard to think of wealthy boys at this private institution feeling like outsiders when they have this whole basically community of people similar to them right so the members meet at this school and they they play some music together and they start writing songs and developing their sound and and uh, eventually they earn some some notable acclaim in the local scene and they end up getting a record deal and releasing uh, their first record which is called Pablo Honey and you may not know the album and you may not know any of the songs on it except for one which is called Creep which probably everybody in America and across the world has heard at least once in their lives I wish I was special You're so fucking special But I'm a creep With the success of Creep being pretty much everywhere at the time it was released, the band was able to tour and develop a little bit of a following, but it also kind of brought the band down a little bit because the album as a whole was not very well received. Even though Creep was you know, getting tons of radio airplay and the band was getting lots of accolades for their live show at the time, they were also getting pegged you know, pretty much everywhere they went as being a one-hit wonder, you know, a flash-in-the-pan kind of band that had a big hit and then just isn't going to go anywhere. So after that, the band kind of develops a little bit of a, of a self-conscious, insecure element in the group that uh, will, will, will progress throughout the rest of their career. But uh, it, it should be noted that after you know Pablo Honey came out and the band felt a lot of pressure to become a certain type of thing, the band did actually contemplate breaking up just because they couldn't deal with the pressure. The band ends up regrouping and then recording and releasing their sophomore album, The Bends. And this album was pretty popular in Britain. In the United States, it was a little more mixed as far as reviews went critically and also wasn't hugely popular at the beginning. A good example of a little bit of the sound of this album, it was still guitar-oriented rock, pretty riff-heavy. And the most notable track was probably the first single, My Iron Lung. So Radiohead are working really hard to promote the Benz. They release a number of singles from it. They begin making music videos. 
probably one of the most famous ones is the music video for the song Just, which is kind of this creepy, mystery, kind of unsettling video where... I, I, it, yeah, I, you don't want to spoil it. I, I, yeah, I don't, it's, it, worth, it's, it's worth twist. watching. It's, it's, it's definitely interesting. It's definitely worth watching. And especially during the time when MTV was still a big thing when you know to watch a music video you couldn't just go on the internet and pull up youtube you actually had to sit and wait you know for for mtv to to pop it on um on whatever show you happen to be watching uh but when it did come on it was it was like what what is this like this is so out of left field that you know i don't you know the band is barely in it you know like it it it's a very interesting thing i I highly recommend going and checking it out on youtube and, and seeing for yourself if you haven't watched it before the band's doing all these things to promote the album Probably the biggest thing they end up doing is becoming one of the opening acts for R.E.M.'s tour in 1995 when they were touring behind the album Monster, which was their also R.E.M.'s return to kind of like a big rock and roll sound from making a couple more mellow acoustic albums. So they bring Radiohead along and this kind of helps their credibility and name recognition in the United States beyond just being the one hit wonders who who wrote Creep. So it it propels them a little bit more into the spotlight. The album gets a lot more attention and it helps Tom York, I think, fight back against some of the negative reviews, a lot of which pretty much center around his lyrics and, and vocal delivery. Probably those get criticized much more than than the music. Although the Benz was successful in a lot of metrics, it still found the band thinking that they weren't measuring up to their true potential and still found themselves feeling like they were being pigeonholed into being a certain type of group. With their third uh, third album, they, they wanted to, to, to dispel this for good, and they spent tons of time working very hard on creating very unique sounds, doing a lot of experimentation, honing their songwriting craft and essentially trying to with one final big blow destroy any you know illusions that the band was not going to be something powerful and something that was going to be very special and eventually in 1997 they released their uh, third album which is called okay computer which even if you're not a huge music fan you've probably heard people talking about it is probably one of the most important records that's been released in the past 50 years uh easily one of the best records that was released in the 90s and probably overall a musical piece that will probably live on just as long as, you know, the best from the Beatles, the best from Led Zeppelin, the best from whoever you want to say. OK Computer is such a monumental thing that it's kind of hard to even talk about in in this one little encapsulation of what we're going to talk about right now. We could probably do an entire podcast series on just how important OK Computer is. But the biggest song from OK Computer that probably got the most radio play was the song Karma Police, which incorporated piano and some weird sound effects and some interesting melodies that really set it apart from what was being played on the radio at the time. After the release and success of OK Computer, the band finally got what they wanted, which was the artistic integrity and the credibility that they were a real 
true band that wasn't just going to be a flash in the pan that they they weren't beholden to creep anymore at this point the band pretty much stops playing creep live in their sets at all they start only playing songs from the Benz and OK computer they start being more experimentation uh, more experimental with their sound and basically saying like we're here and we're ready to go the only problem was was that after the success of OK Computer, the band found themselves in a different dilemma, which is what do we do now? Now we had, you know, we we had one of the biggest records that we've ever made and one of the biggest records of of this decade and we're being, you know, called geniuses and Tom York is now being commended by everyone who said that he was horrible before and, you know, what do we do now? How do we follow this up? Where do we go? And uh, that was where the band found themselves, so they had to sort of figure out what their next step was going to be. We found a quote here from Tom York that describes the dilemma that the band was in. Uh, g- the other guitarist, Ed O'Brien, in the band, he hoped that the uh, fourth album, the follow-up to OK Computer, would be uh, snappy, melodic guitar songs, you know, more reminiscent of what they were trying to do with OK Computer. But Tom York, the lead singer and, and primary creative force of Radiohead, had this to say about that. This is a quote here. There was no chance of the album sounding like that. I'd completely had it with melody. I just wanted rhythm. All melodies to me were pure embarrassment. Bold. (laughs) (laughs) Needless to say, with Kid A, Radiohead starts moving in a wildly different direction, abandoning the guitar-oriented stuff that they had become known for uh, and turning to more experimental means. And when I say that, I mean basically anything and everything that they influenced them or that they liked they tried to incorporate in some way into this new batch of songs so they went in the studio and basically there was no guarantee that because you were a guitarist in radiohead that you'd be playing guitar on a radiohead track anymore so the band members are all kind of doing their thing experimenting with different different sounds uh meanwhile tom york is going through his dilemma of trying to figure out how to be a writer and how to move the band into this next phase and feeling like he has writer's block and doesn't have very original ideas and so the band really labors in the studio for a long time coming out with a batch of about 20 30 songs uh, that they would whittle down to 10 and release their divisive masterpiece (laughs) there's that divisive word again um kid a in 2000 To give you a better idea of the change in sound, here's the opening track on Kid A, Everything in Its Right Place. I remember when Kid A came out, I was working at a record store at the time and I remember buying it and popping it in and being super excited because, you know, as with most people of that time, OK Computer was this otherworldly thing. It, 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 it 
OK Computer sounded like it was dropped off by aliens and handed to us like this is what music could possibly be if you weren't stupid humans like that. That's how OK Computer felt. And I was so excited to get Kid A. And when I popped it on and I heard everything in its right place start up, I was like, OK, you know, this is weird, but this is cool. Like, where's it going? And uh, and it just it just stayed there. It just stayed weird. And I remember feeling like, wow, like this band has really pulled the rug out from underneath me. And I'm not sure if I'm, if I'm into this, I'm not sure if I'm ready to go where Radiohead wants to go. And, uh, and in a way that's kind of what they were going for. They really were, they were going for taking the rug out from underneath, not only us as listeners, but themselves as a band, they were just like, we are doing away with everything, every preconceived notion of what Radiohead is. We're getting rid of it. They were also growing concerned because they were becoming so popular that they had also tons of bands popping up imitating their, you know, guitar style and sound. So the best way they felt to also fight against the the imitators, so to speak, was just to basically change and become an entirely different band. So one of the obvious directions that they chose was to just go more electronic and drop the 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 riff based stuff that they had been doing up to that point and going further in the direction that they started with in terms of OK Computer. You can if you put OK Computer on and then listen to Kid A back to back, you can at least hear some of those threads. You don't really expect them to to go that way fully and they they totally do with kid a um but it's not it's it's a sharp turn but not completely out of nowhere but it's definitely a direction that you wouldn't expect a band hitting that kind of commercial and critical peak to to necessarily want to veer into so the follow-up to kid a is interesting uh it's amnesiac which is uh where our song dollars and cents today comes from but it was also an interesting release because Amnesiac was basically culled from the same Kid A sessions where they had recorded this weird batch of songs. And actually, fans were a little confused when Kid A first came out because Radiohead had been debuting some of this material live and trying out some of these songs. And when they released Kid A, some of the songs that ended up on Amnesiac, which they'd release a year later, were songs where fans were like, where did this you know track go? There was you know this song and this song that I remember hearing live and you know seeing live and you know i had downloaded and suddenly like where did where did that song go so it's really i don't i don't know how much of an influence the the fans had to put out this album or the band just felt like we're still proud of these songs and we feel like they they make up an album of themselves they were adamant that the Amnesiac album was not a B-Sides album. They felt like these songs were strong enough together and could stand out on their own. It's also pretty interesting because they released their first and only live album, I Might Be Wrong, and featuring entirely tracks from the Kid A and Amnesiac albums. I feel like almost as a, a, a proof to fans that they could still play these songs live despite being weird electronic songs that they could still put these out live. So it's pretty interesting that between Kid A and Amnesiac, they end up with two albums not having really seemingly planned on that happening and release what I assume to be most of the material that they had they had worked on. A lot of times when bands go into studio, they come in with all kinds of ideas. They might have, you know, anywhere from 30 to 100 song ideas and things that they're working on. It's just pretty interesting that when Radiohead went in that they worked so hard on these that they ended up with two entirely different albums and felt confident enough about the material seemingly to, to put pretty much all of it out there. 
Today's episode of Skipped on Shuffle, we're going to be focusing on the song Dollars and Cents, which comes from Amnesiac, but you may recognize another one of the songs from the album, which is called Pyramid Song. There was nothing to fear, nothing to Although Amnesiac didn't have any major hits from it, Pyramid Song is a pretty recognizable one for Radiohead and one that they play live uh, quite a bit. And, uh, and and this marked a kind of interesting turning point for the band because, as we mentioned, you know, the, the, the albums, the pair, Kid A and Amnesiac, were pretty divisive, even amongst Radiohead fans. So once again, after the tour for Amnesiac is done and the band's ready to start figuring out what their next move is going to be, they're once again faced with the dilemma of, well, what do we do now? You know, we did OK Computer. We, we took guitar rock as far as we felt that we could go. And then we took a left turn and we started doing electronic weird stuff. And now we've done that. What's next? When Radiohead get back into the album in late 2002, they are starting work on what will be their sixth album, uh, eventually released next year called Hail to the Thief. And in this album, they're really trying to combine basically the two worlds that they've created, the more uh, guitar-oriented rock stuff that they had been doing and were known for on the Benz and OK Computer, while also trying to work in the electronic and experimental side that they had uh, explored so much with Kid A and Amnesiac. It's also interesting because at this point, there are hints of it here and there, but the band became pretty blatantly political with this album, uh, Hail to the Thief being a play on Hail to the Chief, and the president of the United States at the time was uh, George Bush, and this album explicitly explores kind of the world at that time where uh, this is a post 9-11 world where there's this war on terror going on and it's a very it's 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 a, a it's a world that is changing uh, quite drastically and quite quickly and a lot of the themes of kind of personal alienation that had been in uh, some of the earlier Radiohead tracks. This is the period where it starts becoming kind of a, a more worldwide anxiety that, that Tom York tries to start expressing lyrically. The first single off of Hail to the Thief was the song There There. So in there, there, you can start to hear how they were bringing the guitars back and it's a bit probably catchier of a tune than a lot of the stuff that's on Kid A and Amnesiac. And there's also that anxiety in the lyrics. The one, one kind of lyric that stands out to me is there's always a siren singing you to shipwreck. So it's those kinds of warnings about the direction the world is taking and decisions people are making. Uh, and that's going to be important because we're going to kind of jump back to that when we uh, chat about dollars and cents. 
After Hail to the Thief, Radiohead takes a bit of a hiatus and focuses on some other projects and does some other stuff and eventually regroups and uh, decides to create their their soon-to-be album, which is going to be called In Rainbows, which ends up being notorious because it was a record that was released online only in a pay-what-you-want format. And nowadays, when we talk about people buying things online and the pay-what-you-want style, we're, we're pretty... That's pretty commonplace with things like Indiegogo and Kickstarter and and other online platforms where you can sort of choose to decide what you're going to give to somebody. <laughs> with with in rainbows though, this was this was had never been done before. And uh, even if you were ignorant of what was going on with Radiohead and the album and Rainbows in general, you couldn't escape people talking about how interesting and crazy it was for Radiohead to decide that they were going to release an entire record of brand new material and and let you pay nothing for it if you wanted to or pay, you know, $150 if that's what you felt it was worth. And uh, according to Radiohead's management, there was uh, a lot a lot made to say that they that they came away with from in rainbows with a profit so clearly people decided that they were willing to pay the money for it even if they didn't have to which is which is definitely quite interesting uh but in rainbows actually represents kind of a the 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 end of Radiohead changing as the next two records after in Rainbows, The King of Limbs and in 2016, A Moon-Shaped Pool, kind of stick with the the essential formula that in Rainbows brought together. And so Radiohead's kind of settled now on being this particular style of Radiohead and hasn't really jumped back and forth from, from genres too much. Uh, as an example of that kind of sound, we'll uh, check out this song from in Rainbows, which is one of the more popular ones from the record, which is called Weird Fishes. Okay, so we're going to jump back now to 2001, Amnesiac, take a closer look at that album, and get to discuss today's song, Dollars and Cents. We hope you're enjoying this episode of Skipped on Shuffle. Right about now, in most podcasts, you'd be hearing an ad for something, uh, but we are trying to keep Skipped on Shuffle ad-free, and the way we're going to be able to do that is through Patreon. Please visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash skipped on shuffle. Any donations go to support the costs associated with running this podcast. As we've kind of hinted at before, it's a little impossible to talk about Amnesiac with all, without also talking about Kid A. And Amnesiac, uh, coming a year later, tries to sort of be a bit more of a conventional album in some ways. Uh, we have to kind of remember that when Kid A came out, they didn't Radiohead didn't really promote it in any way. There were no singles released from that album. They didn't do any music videos. It was a very conscious decision to just let the music sort of speak for itself. 
as opposed to when Amnesiac comes out and suddenly they have four different singles from it. Most of those more guitar or piano oriented songs where you can kind of, you, you get a sense of the song structure immediately and where the song is going and, and what type of song it is. I think Amnesiac is really interesting because when you think about, you know, we were talking about earlier how the band was in the studio recording music for for Kid A. Well, what they expected to be was their next record, uh, having no concrete plan in place to know that they were going to end up releasing two records relatively next to each other, you know, from the same sessions of material. You start to think that Amnesiac is going to feel a little disjointed or maybe out of place or it's going to sound kind of bizarre because there's going to be a lot of weird stuff on it because it's basically supposedly made up of songs that weren't good enough to put on Kid A. But that's not how it feels at all. It feels like a very cohesive record. It feels very different from Kid A, even though the songs were recorded and written around the same time period. I guess it's, it's interesting to listen to Amnesiac and just imagine just like how how in a creative zone the band must have been to make what we're assuming is about 30 songs that are all good enough to put onto a record. Like it's not like a similar situation with another band who might just go into the studio and record a bunch of material and be like, okay, like, you know, 10 of these songs are really good. Two of them are okay. So they'll make the record. And then maybe, you know, 10 of them are just like trash and we're not going to do anything at all. You know, whereas with Radiohead, they were in such like, they were like laser focused on what they wanted to do that they had enough material to make two records and 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 i don't think there's any like filler on any of them i mean like yeah kid a is really weird and there's a couple songs in there like tree fingers or something that you're like what what is this you know but i feel like the collective holes of the album from front to back when you listen to them you don't feel like oh this just feels like something tossed off it, it doesn't feel that way at all yeah i think the biggest difference between the two albums for me is kid a definitely feels a bit more polished Amnesiac is a bit more raw, but I'm, I'm not saying raw as in like these are unfinished tracks that they didn't want sounding that way. Uh, I, I mean that as as a more of a more of a positive spin on it. And I feel like with Amnesiac that these songs are a bit more of a band that finds like some kind of groove and stays in the groove for the whole song. I, I feel like on Kid A, you definitely get some changes in atmosphere and changes in energy. I'm thinking of something like Idiotech that starts out a little, already a little like frenetic and then just goes completely like crazy as the song goes on. And I feel like you don't get those kind of journeys in the individual songs themselves on Amnesiac. They're very much in, in this, this sounds like a band that finds a particular little riff or sound and kind of stays in that groove and sort of explores that lyrically and, and with some other sounds. Like I, I think of songs like you might be wrong. That is all, you know, based around this, this cool little like guitar riff and the band just kind of runs with that. Same thing with knives out. You get this little weird guitar part that just kind of carries through for the whole song. On this idea of Radiohead finding a groove and, and kind of staying in it and experimenting with it, I think Dollars and Cents is a pretty good example of that, where this track is edited down from what was basically like a 10 or 11 minute jam that the band did, where they were just 
kind of playing around with different sounds. You can hear some strings on here. They were inspired by jazz. Uh, Alice Coltrane specifically, they mentioned being an inspiration for the song. They also mentioned being inspired by German electronic music. So you can hear some of those influences in dollars and cents. But it's really kind of this this weird string stuff in the background that mimics the the melody of Tom York's vocal. And in talking about this track, I should also just mention the the cool bass line that runs behind everything that really keeps it together. So even though this is a band that's playing around with a lot of things, uh, a lot of different sounds and a lot of different instruments, there's usually, and I feel like it's very much the case with Amnesiac, at least one or two instruments kind of like holding everything together. So it's really that that cool bass line and these strings that are mimicking the melody that are really like holding the song together and letting you know kind of where it's going. And the other thing we should talk about for uh, this song and a kind of interesting theme in general is just sort of the vaguely political nature of Radiohead that started picking up certainly by OK Computer and kind of being a consistent theme through some of their work and I feel like it's interesting to mention because I'm not sure how many fans notice it um especially just you know if you're a casual fan you probably if somebody mentions like political bands you'd think of somebody like Rage Against the Machine I don't think your first thought would be like Radiohead uh and a lot of that is because Tom York has become much more vocal about his political stance but we also get a little sense of it in the lyrics to to dollars and cents yeah, I think it's interesting to mention that because I feel like uh, when Hail to the Thief was released, and obviously, like, as we mentioned earlier, that's that entire album is is super political and has a very direct political message to give. People kind of thought that it was like kind of out of left field for Radiohead to do that. They were like, well, you know, why is this band getting political? Whereas if you had, you know, listened and really looked into what Radiohead was doing, uh, they had been political since OK Computer. There was the song Electioneering on OK Computer, which is, you know, just the name alone is very political electioneering like engineering an election kind of thing and uh and then on uh kid a even the song idiotech has some political overtones to it then we get to amnesiac and we have this song dollars and cents which the just the very name dollars and cents you know it's kind of hard not to talk about financial you know money matters without getting at least somewhat political and uh in the song the lyrical the lyrics in the song definitely make some very overt political statements obviously with tom york's vocal delivery you may be missing them because you just can't really understand what he's saying but uh when you get the lyrics and you really look at them you do see that there's some very direct political statements being made in a song like dollars and cents here's tom york describing his take on the lyrics of dollars and cents The lyrics are gibberish, but they come out of ideas I've been fighting with for ages about how people are basically just pixels on a screen unknowingly serving this higher power, which is manipulative and destructive, but we're powerless because we can't name it. At the time, the whole global marketplace thing was a major preoccupation of mine. I was reading a lot of stuff about it, and it really became a massive part of my writer's block. It seems daft now, but I couldn't see the point in writing about personal feelings when there were other far more fundamentally important things to talk about. So that gives you some sense of where Tom York's coming from. He also mentions humanitarian causes he supports. He talks about uh, the role of large powers and their relationship with the third world, for instance, uh, how they kind of manipulate and control and keep 
inequality going and all these other things that I think get wrapped up a little bit in dollars and cents. So when we take a closer look at the lyrics, we can kind of get a little bit of that back and forth between presumably the people in power versus what the the masses want. So we have the line, oh, why don't you quiet down with the response, maybe I want peace and honesty. Why don't you quiet down? Maybe I want to live in the children's land and you know, maybe, maybe I... Why don't you quiet down? Maybe I'll wander the promised land. I want peace and honesty. So we get this kind of back and forth between the the those people in power basically being like, can you stop complaining and, <laughs> and just, you know, accept you know the, the world accept the- <laughs> poverty and malnourishment and 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 slavery and all this other stuff. Just just accept it and, and move on. <laughs> yeah. So he he starts kind of talking about those things and he I think is really kind of reflecting on what his role is because when the lyrics start out, he says, there are many things to talk about. Be constructive. There are weapons we can use. Be constructive with your blues. So I think he's kind of saying like, I'm really depressed about the state of the world. Like I, I hate this and I don't know what to do, but he's saying maybe I should bring these things up and start talking about them because that's a first step. So if I'm going to be constructive with my blues, that basically means I should translate these things that I'm feeling into a song and share that message with people and and get the word out about that. Later on in the song, he brings up the idea of dollars and cents uh, and also mentions pounds and pence, meaning the idea that, well, as far as I interpret it anyway, uh, is that we collectively, the, the mass populace, the people who aren't in power, the people who are beholden to the the, the massively wealthy or, or, or those in power in the governments or w- whichever nemesis you choose, uh, we, the people, are the dollars and cents. And I, I interpret it as being like when somebody talks about trade wars or finances or stock markets or whatever they they, they're talking to themselves they 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 talk about that as if it's dollars and cents but tom is basically saying no we are the dollars and cents when you talk about that you're actually talking about the rest of us having to deal with your the games that you guys play together so it's kind of like a very anti-establishment almost paranoid kind of like almost like, you know, weird person locked in the dark for a long time, you know, contemplating like, oh, the government's out to get me. We have to rise up or whatever. But at the same time, like, you know, I, I understand completely where he's coming from. And especially in this day and age, you know, in, in 2019, I feel like our our political, you know, world is is much more aligned with Tom York's fears when he wrote this song back in the early 2000s. So really, I mean, like it's, it's been almost 20 years since he wrote this song. And I feel like the song's lyrical output is just as applicable today as it was as it was then and uh, and i think that that's kind of a testament to to how on the nose he was actually getting with these lyrics So we think this is a really interesting track, not for only combining uh, elements of this weird experimental time the band was in, but also how despite what was going on, 
with the sound of the band that the band was really trying to find their identity tom york specifically as this front man because it's really kid a where tom york starts taking over radiohead for lack of a, a better phrase basically where radiohead becomes tom york's band and the other members are listening to his ideas and the direction that he wants to take the band, despite all the apprehensions of the, the, the people around him. And so dollars and cents becomes an interesting point in that narrative of changing from, as, as he mentions, vague kind of feel personal feelings to this kind of paranoia about the world and, uh, nervousness about the direction where things are headed that really becomes encapsulated in, in in all of Hail to the Thief and not in a very cloaked way at all. He's, he's pretty forward about it. And something that continues through to even uh, on their latest record, something like Burn the Witch, where people have noticed that it's this statement on the, the world in, in which we live with Donald Trump as president. Yeah, I think that it's interesting to to listen to this song Dollars and Cents and and you know, think about where Radiohead was and knowing now where Radiohead is going. Uh I feel like we've mentioned this a few times in various episodes that it's it's always interesting to go back and listen to music with with the knowledge of where things are going to go from there, which you can't tell at the moment in time. When you first popped in Amnesiac on the day it was released, you had no idea that Radiohead was going to release Hail to the Thief. So you had no idea to listen to Dollars and Cents with a little bit more close of an eye because you know that the next album is going to be very political. You also didn't have any idea that the band was going to release In Rainbows after that, and that was going to sort of be very similar to the sound of Dollars and Cents, uh, even maybe more so than, than other songs on the record. I feel like I feel like Pyramid Song and Dollars and Cents are kind of like the blueprint for what they do within Rainbows. So it's like you, you don't really know that when you're listening to it then. But now we can look forward and back at the same time, which gives it a, a really interesting flavor. And I think that if your focus of Radiohead is only on the idea that they wrote these amazing albums when they were a guitar band like OK Computer and the Benz, or that they created these like very avant-garde experimental weird albums like Kid A or even in Rainbows, if you kind of like set that all aside and just listen to a song like dollars and cents for what it is and where it falls on the timeline, you find something very special that maybe you would miss if you were just focused on, you know, the, the big ideas of what Radiohead actually is and what they sound like. My most distinct memory of listening to Radiohead is being really excited about Hail to the Thief coming out and remembering when the the early version got leaked on the internet and i remember being one of the people who downloaded that and burned it on a cd and i remember just being lost in that record i i I don't know i just remember listening like working I, i was going to school and working and then i remember like throwing that in on like my drives home and i distinctly most remember listening to this album listening to it when I was heading out to 
my girlfriend at the time, she wanted to go camping. So I was going to meet her out at the campsite because I was like working late. And I remember just driving and having no idea where I was. I mean, you have to remember this is the time before GPS and, <laughs> and smartphones and everything. And I remember getting totally lost and turning down and going into the state park that was just pitch black. And I just remember having hail to the thief on and just loving it like it matched that moment so well <laughs> like all this anxiety and unease and frustration and so whenever i listen to hail to the thief i'm like transported back into this weird late night that i spent driving around in the pitch black looking for this campsite where my girlfriend was <laughs> <laughs> um i also i i also think a lot about i don't know there's something about radiohead at night for me uh the, the other distinct memory i have is i remember picking up the the live album i might be wrong and at some point not being very familiar with radiohead and i think i was like riding in the car with my parents somewhere i put it on put my headphones on and falling asleep and waking up and not being entirely sure what the hell was going on like when i <laughs> when i woke up just hearing like all these crazy noises so i i don't know i i always associate it with those two memories maybe that doesn't make for particularly interesting storytelling but whenever <laughs> whenever i hear radiohead i'm i'm just reminded of of those two moments at the top of the episode we discussed how difficult it is radiohead is for for both of us and how we have this weird connection with them where we find them to be an amazing amazing band that creates music that we both really enjoy but at the same time also is divisive amongst us because we feel like we can only we can only appreciate them in like chunks you know like we take a chunk here and we take a chunk there and we listen to it and we say oh this is good and then we listen to more of that and we're like ah no and then we go back to the original and we're like oh this is good ah, no. and, we, and we go back and forth but for me like I will always think of Radiohead as as changing my entire view of what music could do with OK Computer. And uh, I feel like OK Computer came at such an important time in my life because I was just starting to play music and I was just starting to, you know, decide about like writing my own music and trying to be in my own band and doing those kinds of things. And when I heard OK Computer for the first time, it was it was unlike anything I'd ever heard up until that point. And it wasn't just because it, it was slightly like progressive rock, you know, I'd been listening to progressive rock music at that time. So I was already listening to, you know, Genesis and, and yes, and King Crimson and a lot of, you know, progressive bands that did weird stuff and made really long songs about nonsense stuff and whatever, and got really pretentious and out there. Like I'd already done that. So it wasn't a big deal to me, but what was a big deal was that this is a band that was doing it now that was doing it in the modern moment in a time when people were still listening to Nirvana and Pearl Jam and Alice in Chains and Soundgarden and much more straightforward, like rock and then here comes Radiohead who like takes the the sound of that day and makes it progressive and creates this like weird concept album or, or loose concept album about alienation and and feeling like completely disjointed within your own body kind of stuff like just really bizarre stuff and i was like you know i pop on paranoid android and i'd be like this song is weird man like and i was just blown away by how they did that and uh and obviously i'm not alone i mean okay computer is that one of those records that people like i said are just going to talk about for decades from from now on 
and uh, and and I can't I can't underplay the importance of it, and I can't underplay the amount of influence that it had not only on me as a as a music listener, but also as a musician and a songwriter. Um, so forever, no matter what, Radiohead could release an album next year of of you know bear screams or something i don't know and and it doesn't matter what they do from now on because they'll always have done okay computer and in a certain sense also the bends and i'll always have that and i'll always be able to connect with that in a lot of ways um and it's it's not like that i don't enjoy what they're doing now it's not like i don't also like in rainbows or even the latest a moon-shaped pool i do but it it comes attached with this with this like expectation that if i don't like it then I'm wrong, you know, and I, and I don't like that. And that kind of, and that's not even Radiohead's fault. You know, it's like, it's hard for me to even say that because it's not like Radiohead is, has anything to do with this. It's like, this is, I'm talking, you know, this is music critics fault. This is, you know, hipsters fault, you know, and, and, and these people that like sort of make it this like, you know, important like crusade to make sure that everyone knows that Radiohead is the best, you know? And, and, and so it's unfortunate that guy kind of gets attached to it because I wish I could listen to Radiohead. Radiohead absent of all that stuff and just listen to it on its own like it was when I when I first heard OK Computer because that was a pure moment when I could just listen to Radiohead and just be like I don't have any idea what to expect of this and if I hate it no one's gonna judge me <laughs> I can just say I hate it and I loved it it was amazing but I, I don't know I don't think that'll ever happen again I think no matter what anything I listen to from Radiohead is always gonna come with this weight attached to it and I'll always remember OK Computer fondly as being a time when I didn't have that Thank you for listening to this episode of Skipped on Shuffle. Be sure to visit our webpage at skippedonshuffle.com where we have a blog and links to our social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and also a YouTube page where we perform the songs that we discuss in these episodes. We are trying our best to keep Skipped on Shuffle a ad-free podcast. So if you are interested in helping to support that, please visit our Patreon page, which is patreon.com slash skipped on shuffle. Uh, any donations that come there could go straight to keeping uh, Skipped on Shuffle a ad-free experience and go straight to paying for the various costs that are associated with running this podcast. <laughs>